My friends and I were high in the woods deep in the Sierra Nevadas in the California back country and decided to travel a few miles off the path to reach a river and shoot at targets with our 22. The path is littered with deer bones and claw marks from bears, so we're freaking out a bit, but finally make it to where we set up camp. I notice off in the distance, about a half mile upstream of the river, there are two men walking towards us in the exact direction we are firing our guns. I yell at the guys for them to stop shooting, and we just watch these men, wide-eyed and in their late 20s and early 30s, walking quickly alongside the river when suddenly they both decide to jump in. I should say at this point that the river is moving very quickly and could easily sweep you under. It is definitely not safe for a casual swim. We watch as both the men are swept away towards us downstream. One of my friends, we'll call him Mike, decides to be brave and get close to the edge and extend a piece of wood for them to grab as they're about to pass us. Both the men latch on, and Mike is the hero, pulling them to shore. We asked the men what they were doing out here because it's super remote and they were at least three or four miles from the nearest trail, and they both jumped into the deadly river, giving us short answers like oh we were just having fun boys and just free swimming the river. While leering at us. The hairs on the back of my neck stand up, and every fiber in my body tells me they mean us harm. We tell them we're going to head back to the trail, and they say they're coming with us. Given that we're so far off from civilization and these guys are clearly high on something and a danger to themselves, we reluctantly agree to allow them to follow us. It was the quietest hike of my life. I felt they were trying to feel out if they could take us in a fight. There were three of us and two of them. And we had a total of 22, but were young squirrely adults. I don't know how to explain it, but the hike was us constantly positioning against each other with body language without ever directly fighting. They would get close to the gun and try to be near it, then we would counter by getting between them and the gun as naturally as possible while hiking up a path that was littered with bare claw marks and dung. We finally make it to the car, and they decide we weren't suitable targets and move on. I have no idea what two random guys were doing, risking their lives in a freezing cold raging river in the Sierra Nevadas, or why they felt the need to size up if they could attack three random teens, but I'm glad nothing happened that day. We have a camp that we visit during the hunting months and about every other weekend in between. To get to our camp, you have to turn off of a major road onto a gravel road, drive about a mile, then turn onto another gravel road for about a half mile. It's set between a few other camps, plus some residents that live there. It's quiet, for the most part. There are some coyotes and bobcats. Bobcats are the worst due to their terrible screams. It sounds like a woman is crying for help. There have also been a black panther and wild dogs. In 2013 we were at the camp for Thanksgiving. We hunted, fished, cooked, drank, all that good camp stuff. At night, we're sitting around a fire, swapping funny stories and just listening to the silence of the woods. As we're talking, we all hear, help me. At first, we thought it was a bobcat. We listened some more and heard it again. It was a man's voice yelling help me. Repeatedly. Our first instinct was to grab our guns. The second was to go towards the voice, but you never know what you will encounter in the woods. 
It was dark and cold. The hunters knew the area very well. We called the police and explained everything to the responding officer. The weird part was that we never once heard it while the officers were with us. Not once. The officers left, and we heard the man again, repeating help me. About half an hour later, the officers came back, and we didn't hear any calls for help. Again, silence. We all decided it was best to go inside our camp for the night. We never did find out anything. I've only been back to the camp once since then. It really freaked me out. I was camping in Northern Ontario, not far from Sudbury. Camp was a few hours hike from a gravel road that came off of a road near Tilden Lake. There were about 15 of us hiking back after two days of camping when we found ourselves in a clearing and decided to stop for a water break and to let the group catch up. While waiting, we started to hear someone yelling. They didn't say help me, but they were screaming help. It sounded like a woman screaming for her life. More than half of the group just circled up, and while most people were now crying out in fear, a few of us pulled out knives, started a fire, and called Sudbury police over satellite phone with our coordinates. Two of the group continued down the trail to guide the cops to the clearing while we waited and tried to calm those who were crying. The shrieking stopped after 15 minutes of repeating, and suddenly it was just silent. Very creepy. Eventually, maybe an hour later, about six to eight cops with shotguns came down the trail and told us to wait so they could investigate. All they found was bone fragments and a lot of blood. They escorted us back to the highway, and later in the year, they called back the trip leader to let them know the blood they tested came back as not belonging to a human. We also found on YouTube that deer and similar animals can make a screech for help that sounds like a woman when they have had a punctured lung. We all agreed that it was 99% likely that what we heard was a black bear killing a screeching deer and dragging it off before the cops arrived and it got dark. It haunted me until we found that audio on YouTube, and it was unmistakably the same sound we all heard that day in the forest. I've lived in the Smokies most of my life. Anywhere I've lived in the Smokies, I've been completely surrounded by woods, naturally. One night, at like 1 AM, I was sitting on my porch drinking a beer. If you haven't lived out here, during the summertime, nature is loud. It isn't quiet. Cicadas humming, frogs belching, and so on. Like the ultimate white noise. While I was drinking my beer, I noticed that everything in the woods had gone quiet. Which is pretty easy to notice when you live here because that doesn't happen. Suddenly, I heard the most terrifying noise I had ever heard about. Hmm, I think maybe a good 30 or 40 meters away from me. It was a loud, shrieking, literally blood-curdling scream, like a shrill. It sounded non-human. It wasn't a mountain lion because I've heard of them before and they're rare in the area I lived in. I stood up, audibly said nope, and walked inside. That was the one and only time that ever happened. I still live in the same house, and still drink the same beer on the same porch. When my dad was in his 20s, he was staying with my mom at a small cabin in the woods of Colorado. 
It was fairly remote. There was another cabin about a mile away and a campground maybe three miles down the valley, late one afternoon. He was out fishing on a nearby river by himself. As the light started fading, he decided to call it a day and head back to the cabin for dinner. As he was walking back through the woods, he got an eerie feeling that he was being watched, but he couldn't see anyone or anything. He kept walking back, and then suddenly he heard a stick break behind him. He stopped, looking back for the source of the sound, but still didn't see anything. He nervously kept walking back, a little quicker, and then heard another stick break, whirling around and still nothing. This happened like three or four times, but every time he stopped to listen and look, there was total silence and nothing else moving. By the time he finally made it back to the cabin, it was nearly dark. He never did find out what was following him, but whatever it was left him alone after that. His best guess was that a mountain lion was stalking him or something. It's really unsettling though. We lived on the Hopi slash Navajo reservation growing up. My mom and I were feeding the horses very early in the morning before I went to school. It was still almost completely dark out when we heard this low, dim humming noise. The horses start acting really nervous, ours included. I was sweating, pacing, nostrils flared, eyes showing white the works. We feed them and walk out of the barn slash shack trying to figure out what's happened. We look up after scanning the horizon for anything, squinting as best as we could, and there is a black triangle-like thing hovering right over us. It was almost completely silent. It was perfectly over us, so you couldn't see it unless you looked straight up, and it felt like it was so close I could touch it. It was pretty damn large too, like a long triangle. Smooth and black. Thinking back, it was actually quite impressive and beautiful. Mommy grabbed me and ran back into the shed. This was before cell phones were really a thing, so she just clutched me and told me not to make a sound. We waited for what felt like ages, but was probably only two to three more minutes. The horses weren't even eating, they just paced the shed inside back and forth. Finally, the horses started settling down to eat, and my mom went outside. It was gone. We felt like we had the flu the rest of the day, and I stayed home. We never told my dad. I believe it was a military aircraft because there are quiet, secret military bases near the reservation, but who knows. A couple of good friends of mine fight fires, and business is usually brisk in Washington state during the summer. This year, a large group of about 10 of them are digging lines for miles and miles deep into the Cascades. I'm talking like 60 miles away from anything, in the middle of nowhere. As they're hiking through, they come to a clearing and there are two landed Black Hawk helicopters and about seven fully armed military personnel. They all point their rifles at the fire crew and demand to know what they are doing there. My friend tells them they're doing fire digs and they're scheduled to be up there. They are told to turn around and forget that they saw anything up there. My friend says, but this is government work. We have to do this. This is our job. The military guy says not today, you're done, get the F out of here now. Some serious chronicle type stuff. 
I've never wanted to know so badly about what the hell was going on out there. I've spent most of my life in the high desert, 6,000 feet above sea level, in case you were wondering. I was out riding my horse alone in the absolute middle of BFE in the Badlands, no trees, and hardly any brush to speak of, so sounds carry a long way and there is nowhere to hide for long, when all of a sudden his ears perked up. I feel my skin starting to crawl, like we're being watched. My normally mellow gelding starts to panic. I start to feel really dizzy, and my horse stumbles. I black out. I return to my horse about an hour later, about three miles away from the inciting incident. He is frothing with sweat and shaking all over. I'm still not sure what happened. I had plenty of water and snacks. It was 65-ish degrees and breezy, so I don't believe weather or dehydration slash hunger were a factor. I have never before or after had a fainting spell, and that was the most reliable, quiet horse I've ever owned. I now have a serious case of the heebie-jeebies again just thinking about it. A friend and I were hiking in the woods. He was at the camp, and I went to check on things about half a mile away. Suddenly, as if someone flipped a switch, the woods became silent. No wind, no rustling leaves, no birds. It was just the most eerie silence I've experienced. After a few minutes, it suddenly went back to normal forest noises. I think I must have had a seizure or temporary deafness or something, so I hurry back to camp, only to see my friend standing there with a confused slash scared look on his face. I must have had a similar look because he immediately asked if I heard the silence. We tried to come up with an explanation, but absolute silence in the woods seems impossible. Even more so that it was so sudden. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I once canoed the boundary waters between Minnesota and Canada. These aren't your normal backyard ponds. The boundary waters are thousands of enormous lakes interconnected with each other, think many great lakes. We had been canoeing and camping along the lakes for about a week at this point. We didn't really have an itinerary, just planned to boat and camp, fish, and live off the land for two weeks. We had a GPS and a satellite phone to call a helicopter for pickup whenever we were done. Anyway, about a week in, 
and we were set to canoe a few hours to the next lake. An hour or so in, and we are in the center of an extremely long and narrow lake. Unfortunately, a storm started to blow in and the waves on the lake swelled to two plus feet. Too much for our dinky canoes. In a rush to avoid being totally thrashed by a rainstorm, we pull off to a random clearing on the shore and set up camp in a rush. We just set up camp and hunkered down for the night. By the next morning, it had cleared up. We started walking up the coast of the lake about 200 feet from our camp looking for a good fishing spot. What we actually found was another campsite. However, it was absolutely wrecked. Trash was strewn everywhere, tents were collapsed and torn, clothes were on the ground. At first we were just like, what men did this? Or left their stuff out for bears to eat? The more we looked around, though, the weirder things seemed to us. For one, their garbage was still hoisted into a tree to keep it safe from bears, but the whole bag was ripped open despite being 30 feet in the air. Second, literally everything except the canoes was still at the campsite. Clothes, packs, food, rope, pans, like a serious set of hiking equipment. Enough for two or three people. Half of it was trashed and torn open, mostly the packs, tent, and clothes. The other half was totally untouched but thrown on the ground. Like somebody noped the hell out of there in nothing but their long johns, ditching hundreds of dollars of gear in the process. We waited a couple hours and eventually called it back to our helicopter crew, but they hadn't been aware of anybody else or gotten any distress calls. We eventually just left everything and moved camp. Everybody was pretty upset by it, and a day or two later, we ended the whole trip early because it seemed like nobody wanted to be out anymore. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. My first thought was a bear attack, but there was food left uneaten, and I've seen bear attacks on camps before, but nothing like this. Bears rip open packs and go after food, and they are generally pretty easy to scare away. What still sticks with me is why all their clothes and packs were still there, with half being totally destroyed and half being untouched. I still don't get it. I've done a lot of camping and hiking, rafting, and biking all around the country, and I've never had any other weird experiences like that. I come from a big country family. We live on a farm, we raise our own food and meat animals, and we hunt and process them. My dad's first cousin is even a licensed taxidermist. So we get a lot of hunting in. For a bit more backstory, on the homestead I grew up on, and still live on, it was my parents, my pop's first cousin and his wife, me and my four sisters, and my four female second cousins. So, four adults and nine kids. And sometimes my pop's brother comes to stay with us too, especially when hunting season is starting up. So hunting season, deer, is going on, and my pops, his brother, Uncle K, and the cousin we live with, Uncle V, are all getting ready to go hunting. Some of the kids decide to tag along, me, 12, my sister S, 15, and my cousin A, 14. We go out further into the woods than we normally do, set up camp, etc. Important fact, during the time we're setting up, my pops and uncles are quiet while the three of us kids talk. My voice hasn't changed. This is important. 
Us kids keep chattering away, while the adults are just letting us get our energy out while they check the survival equipment, make sure the guns are clean and working, etc. Strong, silent southern types. There's a rustling in the thick brush around us, and suddenly three creepy-looking guys enter the clearing. They stop dead. One of them has a hand on his knife on his belt. They are clearly drunk. They keep looking between A and S and my pops and uncles, like they are debating something. My pops and uncles stood up. Every man in my family is a bad. I'm 19 now, and I'm 6 feet 5 inches. My dad is the biggest at 6 apostrophe 10, 280. He's just a deeply intimidating man, and so are uncles V and K. The guys laugh nervously as my uncle V picks up one of the freshly cleaned rifles and points it at them. These dudes start running out of the clearing like the devil was after them. My pops immediately says, we're clearing out. My uncles don't even question it, and neither do us kids. We're freaking out, and we totally take things down sloppy, but my pop doesn't say anything about us messing up his camping equipment. We get back into cell service and my dad calls the cops about seeing those things, but the cops don't seem to think it's serious since nothing happened. It's at that moment I realized, A, S, and me, with my unchanged voice, were the only ones these guys could hear talking. They thought they'd come across a camp of three girls by themselves. I don't want to even think about what would have happened if my dad and uncles hadn't been there. When I was six, my babysitter was this nice middle-aged lady and her equally nice husband. My twin brother and I were always at their house in the summer, and we hung out with the couple's two grandkids, another boy and girl sibling set of similar ages. This was literally my happy place. This lady had the best movie collection for a six-year-old. It is where I saw the last unicorn for the first time, as well as the little mermaid, the great mouse detective, the first land before time, and the brave little toaster. And her husband was a phenomenal cook by a kid's standard. Every day was chicken nuggets and pizza day. They had kid-sized four-wheelers, a pool, a huge kid's playhouse, and a jungle gym set up in the backyard. And they put on the best 4th of July show in the county for years. Six-year-old me was the happiest girl on the freaking planet. They were some of the wealthiest people in our area too. Neither one of them worked, so I have no idea where the money came from, but I didn't care. One day, in midsummer, the two boys were being typical boys, and the little girl and I thought they were being mean. In reality, the boys wanted to play war or something, and the girls wanted to have a wedding. Or something similarly stupid. Whatever. She and I were sad and we refused to play with the boys. Instead, we decided to go pick flowers that grew at the edge of the forest. We thought it was baby's breath, but it was really just poison hemlock, seriously. Kids, right? So we are walking along the edge of this dense forest in the middle of banjo country in southern Ohio. This was in 1990, so we weren't worried about stranger danger because we were just so far out in the country. The adults did worry about animals from time to time because the next county over has bears and mountain lions, but us six-year-olds were fearless. 
We ended up walking onto the neighbor's property to pick these flowers when we found a break in the tree line. It was an old, well-worn path leading into the woods. For whatever reason, e, we were dumb, she and I decided to ditch our flowers and take the path in the woods and see what it led to. The path itself was unremarkable. Well-worn but unmaintained as there were tree roots growing up through the path in places. We came upon a little bridge at one point. We were both a little confused about it because we had been told there were no creeks in our area, yet here was a bridge. It wasn't a particularly old bridge either. But the creek bed under it was dry as a bone. Weird. We kept going because why not, I guess? I'm not sure how far we walked beyond the bridge, but we ended up in a clearing with stones all around it in a circle. The clearing was big enough that there was a gap in the trees that allowed the sunlight in. And in the middle of the circle was a massive stone-walled well. It was big enough that there were stairs built into the dam walls in a huge spiral. My little friend was mesmerized by the well. She found a rock and tossed it in. We never heard it hit the bottom. As we were searching for more rocks to throw in, I was rooting around in the brush by the bigger stones and actually looked at the big ones. These were not normal stones. Nope. I was a smart cookie, already reading at a third grade level the summer before first grade, something I loved to show off to anyone that would sit still for three seconds or more, so I could read the stupid stones. There were names and dates cut into rough hewn stone. We were in a graveyard. In the middle of the woods. Away from our parents he remember getting chills, realizing this. Moments later, my little friend got really quiet and poked me. She pointed to the edge of the clearing on the other side of the well. Thankfully, it was not the side that we had entered the graveyard on. My little heart would have exploded, I think. She was pointing at a dark shape standing just inside the woods facing us. We both stood up very slowly and stared at this dark shape. At some point, the little girl took my hand and tried to get me to leave, but I couldn't move. The fear was paralyzing. It didn't move until the clouds covered the sun and our bright, inviting clearing became slightly shadowy. Then, the shape moved. It was an adult-shaped-slash-sized thing wearing long dark robes with a hood over its face. We were stupid kids, but we weren't that stupid. We both turned tail and ran as fast as our little legs allowed. My friend was faster than me because I was a chunker, a kid with a love of reading, movies, and pizza is overweight, who would have thunk it. So she made it to the bridge first. I wasn't far behind her, though. I looked back after we got over the bridge and that man was standing at the edge of the bridge. Just standing there I screamed, pissed myself off, and kept running. I tripped over a tree root in the path, ripping my pants and shredding my knee in the process. I scrambled up and kept running. We burst out of the trees like our hair was on fire, screaming and crying, and made a beeline for the girl's grandparents' house. Her grandfather was in the backyard planning something and came running when he heard us. We were absolutely hysterical, and nothing could calm us down. We spent hours sobbing while the grandma and grandpa got us bathed and in clean clothes and tried to soothe us. The more they said there was no one in the woods, the more hysterical we became. It took both of us months before we'd even go onto the back deck again. 
Everyone was convinced we made up the story with our hyperactive imaginations, but the adults humored us. The kids, not so much. The next summer, we were forced into the backyard for the annual 4th of July party. Tons of kids they all knew our story, and one of the teenage boys, a badass, don't cha know, called BS. He bullied us for hours until we told him where the path in the woods was. And then he made us go with him. Another incident of me pissing my pants. Yay! To my utter relief, when we got to where she and I both remembered the path being, there was nothing. No path. It's just a very heavy growth of hemlock. He tried to wade through it and ended up with chiggers from neck to foot. And he got in a ton of trouble for dragging us kids down there once we got back. So she and I were relieved not to go back, but from then on, all those kids thought we were stone-cold liars. Fast forward 15 years later, 16 years after this all happened, my mom mentioned that grandpa had passed away a few months prior while I was off to school. I was 22 at that point and had mostly forgotten the events of the woods. I expressed my condolences and asked what happened. I mean, this guy was a friend of my mom's for 20 plus years. My mom started being evasive, so I got curious and pressed her. She said that he had hung himself in their garage. Jesus. Wow, okay. That sucks. And then she told me the bad part. His granddaughter, my little friend, was the one that found his body. All around him were notebooks with crazy person's writings that he had amassed over a very long time, some dating back to the early 70s, apparently, detailing his dealings with demons and spirits and other crazy things. He had left notes for all of his loved ones. The note for his granddaughter was an apology for not protecting her from the demon at the well. And the note for his wife was an apology for leaving her, as it was the only way to protect her and the other people he loved. It seems that the explanation for their wealth was deals struck with the demons. After a few decades of these deals, they had started coming to collect on the debts the old man owed, and what they wanted was for him to kill his family in payment, so he killed himself instead. It was the craziest thing I had ever heard, but it made total sense. Everyone wrote the guy off as having a serious mental health issue, they threw the journals away, buried him, and moved on. No investigations nothing. I can rationalize everything we saw and experienced as some kind of weird psychological reaction to picking hemlock. That wouldn't explain how both of us had the exact same delusion, though. I know what I saw was real. I might not remember all the details nearly 30 years after the fact, but I remember the fear. And I still have a scar on my knee that has never faded. I'm not afraid of the woods or the dark or anything. But I have a very healthy respect for the dead, and I don't mess with demon stuff. In the immortal words of Ducky, nope. I have not done anything like this myself, but a friend told me this story. So he goes with a buddy to hike a trail near our town. So many woods and trees. When they get to the trailhead, there is one other car there, and he remembers seeing a person in that car. The person in the car was just staring at them with what he described as a really white, unchanging face. He kept staring right at them without trying to hide it or looking away. My friend got creeped out and decided to leave. 
In the next week or two after that, a couple of hikers and a ranger turned up dead in that same area. I'm pretty sure they caught the guy, but I don't remember if his photo was posted. Super creepy. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. About 20 years ago, I had just finished my degree and was bummed because I couldn't find a job. A former roommate and good friend and I went on an overnight backpack trip near Burr Oak State Park in Southeast Ohio. At about 2 AM, we were awoken in our tent by the sound of dozens of horses being ridden all around us. We could hear muted conversation, harness jingling, hoofs clopping, and we could feel it shaking the ground. We lay in our tent and the sound just kept on coming like a whole convoy was passing right beside us. After a few minutes, we unzipped the tent and the sounds immediately ceased and nothing was there. It was freaky, we were afraid they were going to ride over us because it was so intense. I have no idea who or what it was, but were camped on a trail that had been used by John Morgan Hunt's Confederate Raiders during the Civil War. It is not a logical explanation, but it was deafening that there were so many horses. I can still hear the men's voices murmuring as they rode by. The next morning, not a single hoof print was to be found. I was driving from Tucson to Denver in the middle of the night. I got tired, pulled off and crawled in a sleeping bag in the desert far away from the two-lane blacktop I was on, Highway 666 by the way. It's since been renamed because everybody was stealing the signs. Anyway, pull off the road, 
onto a dirt road, and then a little further. In the middle of a pitch black, huge star New Mexico night, I hid the truck behind some vegetation and set up a sleeping bar and pad. No one around, no light, nothing at all, visibility for miles. I'm completely alone in pitch black nothingness and getting wound down and my eyes are getting droopy. Then I heard it. It sounds goofy to say, but it's the same Indian music you'd hear in old black and white westerns. Native music, voices, and a drum. I literally think I'm dreaming and when it starts I'm petrified because that noise just appearing out of nothing simply puts ice in my veins. Relax a little and unfreeze, and try to be logical about what I'm hearing, which has no physical manifestation of its origin, so think logically now instead of pure panic. I could be on the reservation at this point. Perhaps it's coming from behind a previously unseen hill. I get up and look around. I don't see anything at all. It kind of comes and goes in volume. It doesn't seem to be coming from a direction. I have no clue. I looked for evidence and didn't find any. I crawled back into the bag because I'd been driving for hours, and they sang all night. Logic tells me it had to be a group of people I didn't see. But I looked, and there were no ancillary noises like talking or stopping or anything. Just that Indian drum. And the hiaya hiaya. What was originally terrifying became calming, and I ended up sleeping fantastically. I later learned that this was a terrible stretch of road for very bad things to happen. It sort of lived up to its 666 moniker for wrecks and bad stuff occurring apparently. Backwoods hiking slash camping trip in Maine. The trail intersected an overgrown logging road. I looked at the topo map. Logging toad leads to an isolated pond. Hiked to the pond. Found a small clearing. A perfect spot to camp. I went to bed shortly after sunset, 8.30 p.m., and woke up around 1.30 a.m. to distant but loud noises coming from all angles around us. Up the logging road in both directions, across the pond and in the woods. Deep bass-wide groans and hoots, occasionally hitting higher-pitched notes. I've been in the woods for most of my adult life. I have come into contact with just about all the larger mammals of the Northeast and have never heard those noises before. I haven't heard from them again either. I will never forget that sound. I was hiking through the remnants of a remote, long-abandoned town in the surrounding area. To get as far into the woods as I was, you had to cross fallen trees over a creek three times. I had just crossed the third bridge and was about five miles in when something blue caught my eye just ahead of me. There was a man, in his sixties at least, wearing blue satin pajamas, sitting in a tree. The closer I got to him, the louder he laughed. It wasn't a maniacal laugh, but it set off all the alarms in my head nevertheless. He also wasn't wearing any shoes and looked well-groomed and clean. I gave him a friendly nod as I passed, and he just kept laughing. Then it stopped. I turned and he was gone. There was no cracking of branches, no rustling of plants. He was just gone. It still rubs me the wrong way. The area I was in was a pretty rough hike and very secluded.
Not very many people venture as deep as I did that day. I had no idea what was going on there. I live in South Spain, near some really ancient forest called Los Alcornocales, which has some kinds of trees that are almost extinct and only grow here and in another two or so places. It's a bit of rocky terrain, and if you ever are walking in the forest and try to climb some rocks, you should be really careful, because usually you can have caves and hollow spaces under your feet and you can fall easily. So, my father and his friends usually go hiking on Thursdays, so they rarely find anyone in the woods, besides maybe a shepherd or a forest worker, and on this day they decided to climb a really large and rocky hill. My uncle Frank remembered that when he was young he slept in a little cave when he went hunting and got lost, and he wanted to try to find that cave. After a few hours, they find the cave. It was covered in moss and grime, but it was definitely the same cave. One of my father's friends, John, tried to get as far as possible into the cave because he was in really good shape and wanted to see all of it. The rest of them waited outside. Suddenly, John started screaming and calling for my father. He went inside and turned on his torch. Inside of the cave was a really weird shrine or something like that, with candles, two apples, bones, pieces of coal and ashes on the ground, a pair of gloves, a pot and a pan, etc. Everything looked really old and dusty, and it was clear it hadn't been touched in a long time. My father went to the shrine, and it had a little bowl, and when he looked inside, there was something that looked like human teeth. When they got out, they packed up all their things and got out of there really fast. My father refuses to hike around there anymore, and they started hiking on the other side of the hill and into the woods. All of this was really strange, and I've never heard of anything like this before. I don't know anything about voodoo or these kinds of things, but my father said it looked like some voodoo shrine or some stuff like that. If any of you guys know something like this, I would appreciate an explanation. I was out hunting with my older brother and his best friend a few years back, say 2016. We had been walking along a trail for a good 5 kilometers at least. On one side of this trail is a decent drop and then a river, and on the other side is a decent uphill section and a huge pine forest. It was about 1am by this point, and we were just sort of quietly talking to each other when a horrific noise split the air. We all froze and looked at each other with an expression on our faces. We were doing all the work. What the F was that? We knew it came from up in the pine forest, and where we are, there aren't any big predators or really anything out there that we should be scared of. So we shouldered our rifles and headed up to find out exactly what made this sound. I wish we hadn't. We got to a clearing, and the trees were thinning out, so my brother flicked on his spotlight. The big bright man has excellent range. Way up ahead of us was the strangest looking figure I've seen. Like the general shape of a wolf, but just off. It was just stopped on the edge of another tree line further up the hill, looking right at us. Pacing from side to side my brother's friend and I had our rifles trained on it trying to get a good look. We couldn't count out the fact that it was another hunter's dog that was lost, so we, against my gut feeling, went up after it. As we went up after it, 
It became increasingly obvious this thing was watching us very intently. The closer we got, the more we realized this was definitely not a hunting dog. It was big. It was really big and just the way it moved and its entire demeanor was just so unsettling. We kept two rifles on it and one in the opposite direction, slowly made our way back down, and haven't been back there since. We don't really talk about it because we still don't know what we saw and people usually jump to the BS conclusion because, as I previously stated, there aren't many big predators where we live. So my so and I were off-roading in the Cibola National Forest. On a few of the turns, there's a spot in the trees looking out over a cliff. At one of these, we saw a weird thing in the air. I can't even really say it was in the sky, because it was too close. I could see the other parts of the mountain behind this thing. It did this weird thing, almost like a loading bar, lighting up white from back to front, then vanished. I still don't know what that thing was. We both saw it. It had a wider back and went to a point at the front, and the front part curved down. It was terrifying the whole way out, because the road wasn't wide enough to turn around on and there were more openings in the trees like that ahead of us. No missing time, nothing weird like that, but it was a good minute before either of us said anything. I've been back since, took months before I was willing to be honest, and never saw anything like it since. In 1992, my uncle owned about 150 acres in a remote area of East Tennessee. On this land, he had a large fishing pond and a stream running through it, and he used to leave lines out at night to pull in big catfish. This pond was accessible by two small game trails through thick patches of woods, and he would need to drive to the trail entrances from his house near the front of the property and walk about a half mile in with his gear and nothing but a headlamp for light. This was something he did pretty often, and my uncle was a lover of the outdoors, so this was business as usual for him. A Vietnam vet as well. Anyway, on this particular night in July 1992, he went down to the pond at about 9.30pm to check his lines. As he was doing so, he heard a loud splash and assumed it was a fish jumping. He carried on with what he was doing and then heard a low, guttural groan and what he described as monkeys flighting just on the other side of the pond, it was about 70 yards across. Multiple loud splashes occurred, and he also heard a loud crash in the woods just yards away to his left. He talked about how he immediately felt a sense of panic and was attempting to get visuals using his headlamp, but whatever was producing these sounds was behind tree cover. He said that the woods then erupted into the continued sounds of fighting monkeys, and he opted to drop his gear and run down the trail toward his truck. Apparently, even in his adrenaline-fueled state, he could hear footsteps fall on his left as he was being hunted. He got to his truck and hauled ass out of there to the road and back to his home, which, mind you, sits on the property about six miles away. He went inside and locked every window and door, grabbed a gun, and stayed up and vigilant the entire night, but nothing more occurred. He called my dad the next day, who sort of just laughed it off. Well, for my uncle, whatever he experienced scared him so badly that he put his land up for sale and sold it a few months later. 
Until he died in 2017, he would maintain that he believed that he walked into a group of Sasquatch and they erupted in territorial displays to get him out of there. He never enjoyed the outdoors again after that. This wasn't a man who I took for a liar. I had an experience in Western Massachusetts. We were pushed out of the woods by something. In the middle of the night with only one flashlight. We are startled to hear loud splashes in the water. Most likely beavers slapping tails. We weren't too concerned. Then we hear loud crashes in the woods to our left and then behind us. The trail in slash out was to our right. We were followed the whole way out. Heavy footsteps in the woods behind us on either side of the trail. Small sticks and rocks were being thrown at us from the woods. It was terrifying. One of the guys in the group, there were eight or nine of us, tried to run ahead at one point. We slammed him to the ground and picked him up without breaking stride as a group. I carried him for 20 feet or so until he calmed down enough to walk on his own. It took me a long time to feel comfortable in the woods again. I used to work as a fire spotter in a remote tower deep in the woods. On any given day, I would be the only human being for miles around. For a couple of weeks, every time it approached sunset when I'd finish for the day, everything would go eerily quiet, almost like clockwork. It stood out as it wasn't normal. There was usually more noise around that time of day. Along with this, every time I left the cabin to climb down, there was the unnerving feeling of being watched, but for a while it was only while climbing down. After that, I started getting the same feeling while on the ground, and it somehow felt much closer and more menacing. I can only liken it to knowing you're being hunted slash stalked. Not overly great when it's a 100 meter walk back to the car with nothing to put between you and whatever else might have been out there. This continued on for another few weeks, but I started hearing sort of chirps and calls. They stood out as everything was dead quiet. Then one day, Walking back across the clearing to the car, there was a long, low guttural growling somewhere behind me, and I noped out as fast as I could, and afterwards started parking the car at the base of the ladder, because F walking on open ground with angry sounding, probably bitey things lurking about. A few days later, I was driving back out and spotted a movement on the side of the road. I looked again as it disappeared into the tree line, large, long and dark. It seemed to hang around until the end of the fire season, as the quietness and eerie feelings were gone at the start of the next. We live on a farm along a small feeder creek. In our area, row crops, corn and soybeans, are the main crops, so most land is cleared except along the creeks and rivers. This stresses the wildlife. For 20 years, Foxes have made a den under our barn, and some generations are tamer and nosier than others. Two summers ago they were so loud, making every scream and weird sound you can imagine. We couldn't sleep with the windows open. We also have large numbers of barred owls, I got to see a batch learn to fly as both parents stood by, and these birds have an amazing vocabulary. When our young grandchildren visit in the summer months, we usually put a tent in our backyard and my husband and I camp out there with them.
The sounds you can hear on a night like that are truly amazing. One year we had foxes running past the tent about every 20 minutes, making their weird strangled cry. When they got back to the den, we'd hear growls, nips, barks, yelps, and all manner of noise as the young ones played and fought. The barred owls do the who cooks for you who cooks for you all call often during the day. But at certain times of the year, groups of them start in at dusk with what I call, monkey calls. It's quite chilling the first time you hear it. I can't describe it. Just imagine a bunch of monkeys doing their typical monkey chatter and you have it. Screech owls, especially if near your home, and I once had one perched on my chimney, are on another level and sound like the devil is screaming. All this said, I heard a scream 25 years ago in South Missouri that had to come from such a large chest that it truly frightened and confused me. My husband also heard it and, to this day, has no idea what it was. We were camping at Merrimack State Park. It was deep and long and induced terror in your heart. Whatever it was, it was above the campground close to the river. We both sat straight up in our sleeping bags looking at each other and said, WTF was that? I was raised in those hills. I had never heard it before or since. This happened one or two years ago to me and my stepdad. We were in Colorado on an elk hunting trip, and we had been hiking all day when we got to a place that we would make camp. We are there for a few hours and nothing really happens. We scout a little and don't come up with much. This was our second ever elk hunt, so we did really know what to look for. We cooked a dinner of mountain house freeze-dried beef stew on our gas stove. After we finish up, we both sit and catch our breath. You see, me and my stepdad are from Texas, and at 11,000 feet our lungs aren't holding up to the thinner air. We sit there for a while and break out our bivvies, which is basically a thicker trash bag made of reflective material and is waterproof. We shoved our sleeping bags in and settled in. We were both pretty tired but we were slightly worried about bears because I have bear spray, my dad has his 9mm Glock and my dad's bow, which is attached to his bag. We have our food bag in a tree out of reach of a bear, so we have done all the things we needed to make our camp bear proof. We fall asleep and I have these weird, messed up dreams. I hear people talking about how they hope it doesn't rain, then I hear them talking about the best way to put a fire together, and finally I just hear a fire going. I wake up to the feeling of a fat raindrop hitting me in the face. I then felt where the raindrop had hit me and it was dry. I looked around and there was no fire and no evidence of any people, nothing really. This scared me, and I sat there for a few hours, waiting for it to get light. When it finally does get light, my stepdad starts to wake up and I'm sitting there still shivering even though it is only in the high 40s and I'm wrapped in a jacket, a sleeping bag, and many other layers. He turns to me and says, dude, we need to leave. I say, why? And my dad says, I had all sorts of messed up dreams. He proceeds to explain to me that in the middle of the night he had heard what he thought was a bear, then what he thought was me screaming in the middle of the night, me getting dragged away, and finally what he thought was a bear just standing over him and he had not been able to sleep much due to the fact that he thought his son was getting eaten by a bear. 
I then explained to him what I thought I heard in the raindrop and we both agreed that we should leave and that maybe the altitude was messing with us. To this day, I don't know if it was altitude because I heard those voices and I still remember that conversation vividly. We have dense woods behind my house, and one evening I heard my dog barking up a storm. I ran outside to see what it was, and near our grapevine stood this wolf-like creature that was about the size of a huge bear. I freaked out when it made eye contact with me. It just stood there, about 10 yards away from me, just staring. I grabbed my dog and ran inside to tell my parents. They wrote it off as my imagination since I was about 10 or 12 at the time, but ever since then, when I go into the woods it feels like I'm being watched. I'm now 17, and still have a vivid memory of it. My father used to be an avid hunter when he was in his 20s, before family life and all, he's hunted all around the state we live in and does not get scared easily. At the time, he was working on a farm that is just a couple miles away from where we live now. The farmer knew my grandparents and trusted my father. The farmer owned a ton of land, which included quite a bit of wood. He told my dad he could hunt them whenever he wanted. My father didn't waste any time in doing so. He went hunting a few weeks later, but something was off. He told us that when he went into the woods, there wasn't any noise, no bugs or tree frogs. It freaked him out, but he just played it off as an off day. He didn't see any deer that day and left after a couple hours. My father went back for the second time a few weeks later, since he finally had a day off from the farm. This time was a bit stranger. He got a 100 or so yards into the woods and it was the same as before, there was no noise of any sort. Except this time, he said it felt as if he was being stalked. He said he stayed in the woods for 15 to 20 minutes before quickly leaving. My dad never went back into those woods. He said in his entire life up until now, he had never felt like that again. This farmer was going to give his farm to my dad, but he refused because of how uneasy those woods made him feel. This happened back in the 70s, and the woods currently have a reputation for being haunted with Bigfoot sightings and even screams at night. There's a website for my state that lists forgotten and historical places and has a section that shows legends and haunted places by county, and the woods are listed there as a supposedly haunted location. I'm a landscaper, and we manage some pretty big accounts in the woods. Well, I stepped off a hundred feet or so to take a leak. I started peeing and looked up and around and off in the distance I saw someone in a red hoodie just fucking staring at me from behind a tree. This lot of land is next to a road but it's all commercial and not residential, so besides us, there really shouldn't be any other people out here but us. Especially this deep out there. I cocked my head to the side to make sure that it was in fact a person in a hoodie and not something else and my mind distorted into a human. Well, once I move, they move back behind the tree. I yelled at them, hey, what are you doing? And they took off. I'm pretty sure whoever it was did not have pants on. They could have been flesh colored, but I don't believe so. And no shoes. 
I was shocked by everything, so I just called my boss man and told him what was up. We all went to do a quick search together, and we never saw the person again. Hiking part of the north of Grand Rapids, Milwaukee, we hiked around 25 miles in a day and by the time we made camp I was in a huge amount of pain, hadn't hiked for almost a year, so going that hard was a mistake. I was starting to get sick and couldn't get warm no matter how I layered up. I barely ate and then went to sleep. I woke up in the very early morning to slow footsteps walking around camp. They were pretty heavy and lumbering, so I knew it was a bear. I didn't dare move and tried to slow my breathing as much as possible to stay quiet. After around 20 minutes, it started moving away again and I passed back out. When I woke up, the shrubbery around camp was disturbed, and a friend had also woken up and heard the same thing. She was somewhat new to hiking, though, and had no idea what it was, so she was a little spooked when I told her. We got out of there as soon as we could. I'm a wildland firefighter in the US. I've fought fires all over the Northwest, Eastern Rockies, and Midwest forests, and the only thing that's ever thrown me off was fighting fires in the mountains of New Wyoming, on BLM land east of Yellowstone. Hiking into a recently burnt valley was just eerie. Smoke can make that a norm, but the colors were so vibrant, even after being touched by fire, most of the trees and shrubs were unburnt, uncommon but not rare or impossible. Within a few steps of entering the base of the valley, I knew the details like I had lived there all my life. Like deja vu, but with the clarity of reality and not a momentary second but 20 minutes and 100 yards of hiking. To be clear, this was a place I'd never been before and I was hiking paths that were as familiar to me as a brother. Trees I knew had scars opposite of me, 20 yards away. Stones that I knew were going to be warm, almost hot to the touch, perched inches from an ice-cold stream. Before I turned corners, I knew about a rock shelf that was protecting a small pool with a lush green patch of grass the size of a small room with small untouched trees. Green grass in Wyoming in August is fairly uncommon. I stayed there for a moment that felt like an hour. The whole time, my hair was standing up and falling down like I was revisiting a favorite song and the symphony of emotions like nostalgia, joy, and bliss was just washing over me. Everything just felt perfect. Every single detail was perfect. Star Trek fans are familiar with Guinan's description of the Nexus in Star Trek 7, Generations. Like being inside joy and never in my entire life have I ever been as content. I finished scouting the valley, went back to my crew, and we moved on. I kept it to myself, not knowing how to explain this perfect place to anyone, let alone myself. This shook me for days. I had no way to rationalize it and it kept me awake a few nights for the rest of that assignment. Even as we worked, ate, and shared fun stories, it still gnawed at me. To this day, four years and countless fires later, I've never had an experience like it and it's likely the only place I've desired beyond any to return to again just to touch that perfect world.